Welcome back to the One of None podcast. We got another special guest on today for our third guest speaker series here. Um, as always, I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Jonah Casella. And I am one of your other hosts, Dr. Andrew Ganong. And today our guest is Tristan. Tristan, And am I going to botch your last name? Hillrich? No, you got right? it. All right, right. Cool. All right. So a <clears throat> little bit of background on how I know, or we know Tristan, um, just very recently, actually. So within the last year, met Tristan at the gym in my apartment building. He's also in the same apartment. And um, I don't even remember how we started talking, but I feel like one of us knew that had to have known the other person was looked like they were training for something. And then we just started like chatting it up. And I think at that time, we were both training for, happened to be training for the same thing, which was the... Um, not Tough Mudder, the uh, Spartan race. Spartan, yeah. Yep. So um, let's get started here, like we always do. Um, we're going to jump into some background just to give everybody a little background on where you're from and uh, and how you kind of grew up. Drew, do you have anything else before we jump in? No, no. I'm, I have some questions lined up, but no, Tristan, <laughs> take the stage. Yeah. Where did you grow up? What do you do? What's your background? Yeah, so I'm from Sarasota, Florida, which is an hour south of Tampa, so the Gulf Coast of Florida, and lived there most of my life growing up, just playing sports, football, baseball, lacrosse, really anything that I could play, I loved, and I'm sure we're going to talk later, but running was not something I ever did. Running was always a punishment. It was, I always loved playing sports, like sprinting sports, like that was what I loved to do, and for college... I had the opportunity to walk on the University of Virginia football team. So that's where I went to college. I went to UVA. And being a walk-on was tough, especially coming in injured. My last high school game, I dislocated my ankle. And then one month before I reported for camp, I had my first ankle surgery. So I remember coming in. None of the coaches knew I was hurt. Like I kept everything under wraps as a walk-on. Like I didn't want any reason for them to revoke my spot on the team. And after our first meeting, I went to the training office. And I was like, hey, here's what happened. Here's my injury report. Like, I need to do PT. And so I spent my whole freshman year pretty much every day after practice, every every day after summer, just going to class, going to practice, going to PT with the hopes that my ankle would just make me feel better and I would be the athlete I was because – like it's tough coming in as a walk-on, and it was even tougher for me coming in where all my new teammates only see injured Tristan. They don't see what I was. They just see what I currently was at the time, which I couldn't run. I played my whole freshman season really walking with a limp and, like, unable to push off, like, going from a stand, standing start to a run. I couldn't push off, like, was limping. And then at the end of my freshman season during our – prep for the bull game i got an mri and the doctor walked in it was like you have bone this big in your heel you need surgery like that's the issue you're walking as if it's a like every step you take is like a nutcracker and so like dang so i got the second surgery and thought everything would be better and for a time it was like i could finally run and walk without pain but as i went through pt again like that pain never really went away like it was a different pain. I could, I was definitely more athletic, but I still just lost so much of what I was. And oh, I forgot to mention, I was a walk-on quarterback. So quarterback was the position I always played. And my first full padded practice in the fall, my QB coach was like, hey, you're going to go play scout team DB, which I'd never played DB. I'm injured, can't run that well. I'm covering NFL guys. And I'm just like, it's a joke. Like I'm not a DB. So then my second season, I switched to receiver where I had played some receiver in high school, but 
I like to think, and I told Jonah this, that I was a fringe D1 quarterback. Like, I truly believe that, but not at all a D1 receiver. So at that point, the writing was on the wall that I was kind of playing football just to get as much out of football as I could. And that was mainly getting into business school. So I majored in management and marketing. And at UVA, the business school is a two-year undergraduate program. So I applied midway through my second year. And having football in my application was by no means a guarantee for me getting in, but that helped boost my application a lot. So eventually got in. And then midway through my third season, it was just kind of sitting down, realizing that I didn't love it anymore. It wasn't fun for me to keep playing football. And being in cleats for three hours a day, I'd go to class and then I'd be walking with a limp because just whatever my ankle Achilles was all jacked up. So stopped playing. And then after graduation, going into what I do now, I'm a consultant. I'm a project manager for, I had a couple stops along the way, but that's ultimately what I do now. I'm a project manager for federal clients and federal agents. So, yeah. Nice. Good, good synopsis there. That was like the most concise synopsis. Um, okay. I like that. Let's, yeah, let's, um, we're going to get all, we're going to go through all this basically to some extent, but I'm going to just bounce real quick. Don't have to spend a lot of time on it. Um, you grew up by the Gulf coast of Florida. Um, and what was your family like, life like, you know, both parents, siblings? Yep. Yeah. Had- so really good relationships with my family. Both my parents were college athletes. They both swam in college and they're both still active and always like we grew up watching sports, grew up playing sports, grew up in a faith-based household. And I mean, it's actually been cool now seeing my family continue to have their faith grow. Like now that I've moved away, like just seeing it from afar, but I have a twin brother and then I have younger brothers that are also twins that are eight years younger than me. So they are, they're 16. Uh, they're almost 17. They're almost 17. They're in high school right now. So it's like all my life, like they barely remember watching me play football or watching me play in high school. And it's so cool for me to go home and see them play because they're finally at the age where, oh, they're less of like a little brother. They're more of a best friend at this point where you can do things with them and like sneak things from mom and dad and hang out with them as if like, anyone could but yeah so it's been a lot of fun seeing them grow up and have a really good relationship with my twin he is actually married living in houston but i was his best man and gave a speech at his wedding and i'm not someone that normally has anxiety but you can ask the people that were sitting at our table before my speech like i couldn't eat my food i was all like nervous like clammy like so it was weird but um yeah, really good relationship with my family. And I mean, talking about having a twin brother, I think that was one of the coolest things because it's not like I had an age gap with him where, oh, I'm too young or too old to go hang out with him. It was, he was always there, like a room down the hallway for me where any sport we were playing, any party we were going to, any project we were working on, we normally did it together. And like we pushed each other, but it was never, I never viewed it as much of a competition. It was always, Hey, I get to do this with you. And in that way we both elevated each other. And like, I mean, we still push each other now in that way. So I definitely, that's awesome. Family was huge for me. Do you feel like Tristan that, um, your, your parents, I think this might be, this is probably a dumb question because I already think I know the answer to it, but do you think that your parents being, collegiate athletes and very fit, you know, being very faith-based helped you. Cause it's not always that when you have like your parents, there's almost like an expectation that you have to live up to it. You know, if your parents did something, then you have to kind of follow suit or there's an expectation that if you grew up in a faith-based home, then you have to follow the path of that because it was just always instilled in you and you felt like an obligation. Do you feel like, that way, did you feel like it was an obligation to um, pursue that, you know, like the, the collegiate background, like being an athlete, or did you kind of just 
you really were passionate about it. And even with the faith-based question, do you feel like you felt obligated to follow that? Or did you like, was your, your trajectory and your faith always like straight up and down or was it, was it kind of all over the place? Yeah. So I'm going to answer that in two ways. The first with kind of how my parents parented us to dictate the success I've had in my life where they definitely had expectations. And I mean, at the time I always thought my parents were the strictest parents ever, but looking back, it's, they were strict until I proved that I was responsible and warranted more freedom, which I think is an excellent way to parent. So there was never the expectation that I needed to get all A's in school. I did well in school because I knew the study habits I needed to do to perform, but there was never like a slap on the wrist. If I didn't get all A's, it was, Hey, did you do your best? If you didn't do your best, why did you not do your best? And what can you do differently next time? And bridging that over to pursuing college sports, it's, I mean, I just loved football. I love sports. Like that's being an athlete is what I still think I'm like put on this earth to do in some capacity. And so they gave me all the means to pursue that. But I think the biggest, the biggest piece for how they parented me was they didn't push their own dreams upon me. Or like you hear about the dad that like, makes their kid play a certain sport to live out their dreams. Like I remember the phone call I had with my dad vividly of telling him, Hey, like, I, I think I'm done. And he was just like, are you sure? Like, it's your decision. That's okay. Like, I don't want any, any like pressure on you. And like, to me, that just meant a lot because it's, I knew I could tell how proud he was to see me play on a college team, but it was never about him. So I think that was, like them being hands-off in that way really helped elevate me for my own desires. That makes sense. Now, answering your faith-based question, it's actually interesting because I would say growing up, we weren't always a family that went to church every Sunday. Now, we didn't never go to church, and I know that was double negative, but I would say faith wasn't as much a priority when or for my family when I was younger, because just the weekends were always packed. Like we were always on the go at lacrosse tournaments, baseball tournaments, whatever it was. So faith took a backseat in that way. But then when I went to college and it was my little brothers and my parents, it was, it's been really cool to see them. Now they go to church every Sunday. Like when I go home, I know I'm going to church and that it's so addressing if my faith was a linear journey, I'd say no, but I also think, I mean, especially talking with some of my high school friends, it's a lot of us had less faith when we were 16, 17, 18, 19. But then when we became adults and lived on our own, we realized the importance of faith and we, we have something in our lives that brings us back to it. So I think, I think it's been a mix of that and just seeing my dad, seeing my mom doing their Bible scriptures daily, seeing the importance of faith in their own, in their lives, like how they live now. And my dad's dad was actually a pastor and he's the greatest man I've met, greatest man I've ever known. So, I mean, having him in, in my life, having him as an influence, like he's just an automatic beacon of faith. So like that was always in the background. So faith was never out of my life. It's just the level of importance that I chose to dedicate my time to it was not always a straight line. Yeah, I like that. I I would agree on my end too. I was the same way. Like I found way more clarity as I grew more mature. Um, Definitely. I mean, I was still I wasn't att I wasn't attending church every single weekend. We would still go, but when we had other things going on yeah. and obligations and whatnot, but. Um, yeah, same same with me. I would say ours were probably pr fairly similar in that regard. Where, you know, as we grew older, we we got developed our faith more, which which I I like. So, yeah, um, yeah. There was a lot there. Also, Jonah, do you want to say something before I was gonna? Okay. No, you're good. Good. I also got to give you kudos, obviously, because you went to PT for so long. So good job staying in it, going to PT and being a dedicated patient. 
Um, I mean, you had to, you really do, especially at the collegiate level. Like I always talk to my patients. They're like, Oh, why should I be doing this? I was like, how do you think like collegiate and pro athletes get back onto the field? Do you think they're just get an injection and then they go back out there again and they're better. And like, they never like Odell Beckham, when he tore his ACL, like he was out for almost a year rehabbing and he still retore it after a year of rehab. So, um, yeah, I think good kudos to you for all that. You're probably well-versed in the PT world now since you've been through it. What two surgeries now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I think I definitely was lucky that I was in the, like on a team in college because like PT's free, you're just on a team and it's expected. Like if you're hurt, you do rehab during the day. Like, so five days a week. Whereas I feel like if I was a normal, normal student at the time, it's, I, I guess I don't really know. Pro, well, actually when I was in high school, I did PT like two times a week. So like, that's just a vast difference. Like as you extrapolate out like a month or two months. So it's, yeah, I definitely benefited from being in that environment and funny story on PT and surgeries is this past December, I went to my orthopedic surgeon who did my surgeries because I just, I feel that because I still have Achilles and ankle issues that like flare up if I run for long distances. And I just wanted to ask him, Hey, if I do more PT, like, is it a deficiency in my calf? Like, is that what causes pain? And he looked at me like, dude, you ran a marathon. Like, no, you're, you're fine. It's just when you have this trauma happen to you, you're just like a car that got an accident. Like you can get fixed, but you're not going to be perfect. And that just crushed me because it's like, dang, I, I wanted him to tell me, oh, do this many eccentric calf raises or do these stretches and like that would go away. But give you a nice fit, a quick yeah. fix. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. <clears throat> so we kind of talked a little bit about your past. Now we got the background. So let's, um, let's talk now. I mean, you, you obviously were, were you preferred walk on? Yep. Yeah. So your preferred walk on, um, and when in knowing that you had a long journey ahead, just to like touch the field, even in, a, in the practice and put the pads on again. Um, so obviously your motivation and, and discipline was there, like Andrew was saying, just to even continue with all the PT and trying to get better and, um, just to get back on the field. So obviously that's just your character. It wasn't just for football. So now that you're, you're past that point, you're, um, into a different realm of being an athlete in a different realm altogether. Now, um, you know, what, what sparked your interest in wanting to, to run <laughs> because we talked about it in our, our episodes and we were not runners. I mean, yeah. like athletes, sure. Um, but anything over a hundred meters was not, not something we were comfortable with. So like what, what made you want to do that challenge that? Yeah. Yeah. So initially being done with football, it was definitely, all right, I'm just going to keep lifting. Like I know how to lift. I'm just going to keep doing this, like get big, get ripped. Like that's what I want to do. But then I started dating my girlfriend, Nicole, who I'm still with. And I mean, she's a runner. Like she always did all the Spartan races and half marathons and stuff with, and I mean, her dad is just, he's in his fifties and like still keeps up with me in the 5k type of thing. But I went out for a three, three mile run with her one time in college. And I mean, she's barely sweating and I'm just drenched dying. And that's when it's like, all right, football shape is not running shape, but it became a thing where I would run because it's something we could do together that was like athletic and, and just a different way to spend time together because I knew how much she ran. So I started not running anything more than like a casual couple miles here and there. And then COVID happened where all the gyms were closed and I found Nike run club and I was like, Hey, Nicole, like we could get this app and, compare and try to beat each other. And that was really my first time ever running consistently. And I think I ran consistently for like three to four miles. And that was back where every run I went on was as hard as I could go. So it's like constantly just trying to go faster. And I'm only going three miles at the time, maybe four miles, but I just couldn't figure out how anyone liked that because I was just suffering 
in the Florida heat, like fall out every run. And went back to school after COVID and went out for a run. And it was like a loop that was downhill twice. So downhill and downhill. And I just got bad shin splints, just bombing it downhill. And then I, I didn't run much the rest of my senior year of college. And so this would have been 2020 to 2021. Still really didn't run much, but I had another Spartan race that was coming up in December of 2021. And my girlfriend had, my girlfriend and her dad had beaten me in the first Spartan race we did. So I was like, this can't happen. Like I'm a division one athlete. They cannot beat me. I need to train and figure this out. So I kept training and just try to be in better running shape. So we go to the race and it was in Florida. It was just super muddy, like gross. And she actually, my girlfriend ended up not feeling good. So I stayed with her. So I could have beaten her, but it was kind of a walk. <laughs> uh, but then, so 2022 in August. So I hadn't run much up to that point, but August came around. I don't know what it was. I just decided, hey, I'm going to run every day this month. I'm going to start small. Oh, actually, let me backtrack. In July of 2022, I fixed or I changed my running form because up to this point, running would cause me so much pain throughout the day where I, it was back to my ankle issue. Like I couldn't walk the rest of the day without pain. And I got to thinking maybe it's because I'm on my heels so much. So I switched to run more on my forefoot. And so by this point, it became a habit that August came around. I was like, okay, I know what zone two training is. I'm just going to start with a mile, do a mile every day. Next week, go up to 1.5 miles. Just keep the heart rate down, go slow. So by the end of August, I had developed somewhat of a base and I finally stopped hating it. And that was like, that was on the flip switch where it was like, all right, I'm a runner now. And so really from August, 2022 to now has been more or less months, days and weeks filled with running. Now the level of how much I've ran has definitely scaled since back then and will continue to scale, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's just been a game that the more I do it, the more I realize that days when I don't run are days that feel a little off. And then days when I do run, it's okay. I have this time to myself. I'm able to get in solitude and like, just think about whatever, or I'm able to feel accomplished about doing something, even if I didn't want to do it. Or, you know, like I just set a PR, like all these, all these miles, all these hours of time is like came to this. And I just love how linear running is like the progression of running. I don't think any other sport is really this way because skill is such a large part of really any sport with the ball. Whereas running doesn't take much skill. You can be anyone as long as you can walk or do anything if you dedicate the time and then zoom out your time horizon, your time perspective, where five years from now, if you're just consistent, your running progression will just go in a linear line. So it's, I mean, zooming back into like a weekly and monthly basis. Now it's for me currently training for a marathon. It's, Hey, I know if I'm running 40 miles a week, I should be faster than the person running 30 miles a week. So I'm on that linear progression, which again, like I like so much because it's, Inherently, it's what you put in is what you'll get out. And I, you can't really say the same for so many different activities. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, now it's just I have the running bug and I just want to stick with it as much as I can. Yeah, you <clears throat> you hit on a couple things that are things like topics that we've talked about so many times. Um, one, the big, big thing is, is doing something, even though it's going to suck and and knowing that you don't want to do it and it's super important. And actually Tristan, you and I were having this talk before Andrew hopped on because we're both in about six ish, seven weeks of training. You're training for a marathon coming up and yep. training for the Ironman. And it's just the amount of training for that amount of time just starts to become like mentally a lot where you get to the point where you're like, Oh my gosh, like I have to do this nine mile run today. Like I'm not feeling this again for the sixth week in a row, whatever. Um, but just knowing that 
yeah, it's, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to feel a lot better after I do it. And I'm going to benefit immensely from it and more than just my fitness and my health. It's going to be a lot of mental benefit. And also then the other thing that you mentioned, which is really important too, is, um, being patient enough and realizing that even though you're, you could only do a mile, you know, one mile a day. And then next week I'm going to do a mile and a half, like you said, whatever, like that seems like a slow progression and might turn some people off, but you have to take these baby steps and know that you're playing the long game. And then, you know, like you said, three, four, five years from now, you're going to be exponentially better than and in a better place than where you were before. And that's not just with running or any kind of physical activity that's with um, your life in general, like your career, your faith. And so that's like such an important trait to have and that realization to have. So, which is why you're on the podcast. I also, I concur with that for sure. I think um, there's so much more carryover from running than we realize. Like it, it really pours into so many different facets of our life. Like my running has somehow inadvertently affected my faith journey and like my ability to work through conversations that I've had with colleagues or my girlfriend that, you know, maybe they didn't go the way that I wanted them to. And I can rehash them in my head on my runs and I can go back to that person and talk about how I felt about that or, um, you know, whatever it is really like I, I get like running is emotional. It can be in whatever sense you want to think of it, whether it makes you cry or not. But like, I know that there's times where I am emotional thinking about things on my run or the, just the emotions of running in itself. Like there's so many highs and lows of running some runs you feel free as can be. And like, I'll get out there and I'll be smiling for three miles and just running so fast and not even realize it. And then there are other times where I am like, 12 miles deep into a 15 mile run and I'm like hating every step and it's miserable, you know, and there, there are so many highs and lows that come from running that it really, it, it spills into so many different aspects of our lives. And I think that's the common theme here. Um, and I think it's, it's such an easy startup too. It's like very minimal requirements for it. You need to have a pair of shoes and a space to run in. And you can find that anywhere, which is awesome. So it's, it's always interesting seeing the different backgrounds. You have a former collegiate athlete who picks up running and you have two dudes who didn't really do much besides study. And um, one of them played rugby in college and the other one just lifted weights. And now we're all picking it up. And I think that you could say that about a lot of, you can see it's a wave of social on social media. Now yeah. people are picking up this stuff like crazy runnings gaining some traction right now for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, but it is, it's cool to be able to see how, how much running affects all of us in different ways. So. Yeah. yeah, I think it's, so you said running is emotional and I, first I agree, but I also think running brings you clarity and I'm just going to compare running to weightlifting because like so many people, either lift or you run. It's not that there's not that many people that do both. And a big switch for me in running is like, it gives you that clarity and it forces you to be in the present. Whereas like I could walk in the gym and really not feel like lifting and still do my lift. Is it going to be the best lift I've ever done? No, but I can get through it much easier and I dread it much less than a run. I really don't want to do or like, because running just, it, it's a different sense of effort that is required and through that effort you're instantly put in the present moment in a way that like lifting doesn't necessarily bring you so yeah it, it does it makes it's it is so it gives you so much clarity because nothing else in that moment matters like everything else just kind of peels away and maybe that's because it absolutely sucks and you're miserable and that's all you can think about or you're just really flowy that day and it's a nice day and you're just pumped that like you're just outside and you're really enjoying it. But it's just, you have so much clarity in that moment. It's, it's so nice. And honestly, it's an experience too. Once you've, once you've ran and you've ran for some distance 
and you've kind of got into that like mental state and that grind, you learned, we talked about it. We've learned, you learn so much about yourself and like you learn a lot in that moment and it's an experience. And like when I ran the Pittsburgh marathon, all my training leading up to that, I always listened to music for like motivation, really just to keep me going. And when I started the marathon, I started it with a couple of our buddies. And so I was like, I'm not doing music off the, like I was keeping my headphones in my pocket for now. And just so we can like chat while we're running and stuff. And after like mile eight or so, um, I was by myself at that point. And I thought about putting the headphones in, um, just because I was alone and I was thinking, well, I take this motivation, I guess I'll put my headphones in. And then I thought about it for a second and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do that until like, I feel like I really need it. And like, if I'm really struggling and I need every distraction I can get, and I didn't wear headphones, I didn't listen to music that entire time. And it was the best thing I ever did because all through Pittsburgh, there were tons of people cheering, like just people that lived there handing out orange slices, bananas, had kids had signs. Then they had bands posted up, like playing and DJing and stuff. And it was like, it was so awesome. You go from like completely suffering by yourself to then come rounding a corner and you hear everybody like cheering ahead, like the DJs playing some cool song. Like I remember like mile, it was had to have been like 15 or 16. I was like kind of struggling a little bit in my head and I could start to hear this music coming up and then all these people cheering and I came around the corner to like all these people um, on this straightaway and instantly not tired anymore. Yeah. And it was just like such a cool like experience and stuff. So yeah, there's nothing quite like that, that clarity and that experience that you get from, from running and or biking. Um, I just haven't felt comfortable enough on the bike to understand that. You, you might not, Jonah. I don't know if you're going to find any clarity that you feel with running on your bike. I don't know. I mean, I I definitely agree. I uh, Lifting was always my favorite thing. It was like my – and it still is. I, I still would selfishly take lifting over running. Um, yeah. But it's always interesting, too, because I was talking – I was overhearing a conversation. Tristan, you mentioned um, – there's not many people like that do both. It's just either running or lifting really. And that's true. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of people that, that feel a need to choose. And right now I'm like fighting that narrative in my head right now. Cause I too was like, well, if I start running, I got to give up my lifting and I'm going to lose all of these, uh, gains in you know, in my legs or my, my arms or whatever, if I start running, but I'm really trying to fight that narrative right now. And you can absolutely do it. Um, and there's a lot more stuff that's coming out and people are talking about it now. Um, but you're right. Like tons of people just think they have to really stick to one thing. And that's, that's what I'm trying to like change my mind about too. Cause as far as I know the body, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like it does kind of hinder your ability to, but, um, also I think, I think you can absolutely mitigate the losses from running. And I think, some people are arguing that you can you can actually benefit from running um, a lot and still gain size. That way, it just requires a lot of eating too. So I'm trying to like I'm force feeding myself every single day, trying to like maintain my weight and strength in the gym. But um, yeah, it's tough to do. It can be tough at times. Yeah, and I do think so. The doing both is obviously being the hybrid athlete. I think that movement is what we're seeing on social media with a lot of these people that normally are just in the gym lifting or getting out and running. I think that is what is making everyone become quote unquote a runner, which I'm all for Like I, I want to be a hybrid athlete. Like I definitely don't want to just become a runner. And like, I, I think everyone should do that to a certain point. Like you don't want to be the rail thin runner that like essentially breaks down. It's fine to be super skinny, but like you need a certain level amount of muscle to maximize that performance. And that comes from, stuff you do in the gym so like yeah. following nick bear like seeing his hybrid athlete stuff and then the wave of i don't even know if sub influencer is the right term but it's like all the guys with 10,000 20,000 followers that are doing the same thing like i think that's largely what's prompting a lot of people to just do both yeah hey, yeah it's better than tide pods eating <laughs> tide pods so 
I'll push a, I'll push some like type of athletic narrative on or social media trend where it's a, an exercise regimen than the stupid crap that they used to put, put out before. So yeah, I guess I shouldn't complain about seeing all these people doing the hybrid athlete stuff. Yeah, but it, I, I agree. And I'll just finish this topic up by saying that I neglect, I've been neglecting the gym just because of the amount of training that I've been doing for this other race. And it's it for sure is hindering the bike because it's yep. so much quads and legs that is him. So I'm fatiguing so fast, even though my running endurance is the best it's ever been, but like I could go out and run nine miles and not have any issue, but I can't hold a steady pace on a bike without fatiguing instantly. And so now I'm incorporating legs back into my weekly routine. If I don't do any other workout, I'm doing legs from now on. Like I just, I have to build them, but um, kind of moving on now. So one thing we always ask, um, we always, as if we've had a dozen guests on here, but um, you know, we've, you probably hit on it to some extent, but you're obviously just very motivated and whether it's for one reason or another, we kind of want to know why, like, what is your why? Why do you feel the need to torture yourself <laughs> by marathon prepping and you know, what, what motivates you or just what is your why? Yeah. So answering what is my why is still a question I'm trying to effectively and concisely answer, but I can give a brief story of what I think it is and then how I need to like narrow it down in the future. But my head football coach at UVA, his name is coach Bronco Mendenhall. And I vividly remember our first freshman class meeting. He didn't really talk any football. He talked about the importance of learning. And he said a quote that's he who stops learning fades and becomes irrelevant. And he's like, in my program, you will do more than just football. And so it became a saying in our program and, and it was all bold, all caps, where we have like an all ACC player, but it was, and he's doing this in the community. He's doing this in school. So it was always more than just a football player. And every team meeting, we always brought notebooks in and we'd always have a speaker before the team meeting kicked off that we, we were watching some video we were watching some motivational video we we're all expected to take notes like learning something but my favorite talks were always when coach bronco would come up and half the time he would just bring a book from his bookshelf and he just opened the book and he, this book would just be highlighted to no ends and he'd just pick a random page and start talking and a game that i played with him as an unknown freshman that i didn't even know if he knew my name i wanted to find a book that he hadn't read to recommend to him. And so I gave him The Rise of Superman by Stephen Kotler, which is all about like getting your brain in the flow. And I, I remember stopping him in the stairwell. Hey coach, I have a book for you. I pulled it out. He just glanced at it. I read it and then he walked away and I was like, dang. But the next day in team meeting, the team meeting was on that book and I know no one else in the team knew that conversation had happened, but like that still meant and means a lot to me that like, I like to think that I helped influence that team meeting. But I say that story because coming as an 18 year old, like I didn't read for pleasure and my viewing or my view on learning is so different than it was now. And having little brothers, it's so hard telling them, Hey, like just enjoy learning, like do this stuff. Because at the time, like, you want, it, you want to finish schoolwork to get good grades. You want to finish to go party. You, you, you don't necessarily care about the learning. But it was through being around the other coaches that were, at that point in my life, the dads that were around because they, I was always around them. And they just always pushed learning and doing more. And my receivers coach, Coach Marcus Hagens, he was big on that too. Like have a daily schedule, have a weekly plan, like weekly goals, like send them to me, like let's hold each other accountable. So like that was another thing that just being in the program, like you're taught to hold yourself accountable. You're taught to pursue, you're taught to do more than just play football. And so in college, I got my habit of reading back. So I, I still read, started a book club with my high school friends and like read outside of that. And so reading is a big thing for me. And 
I suppose in summarizing my why, it's I firmly believe you cannot live a fulfilled life unless you're pursuing things in three areas of your life. One is the mental side. So that's reading, that's playing chess, that's doing puzzles, that's doing something that stimulates your mind, causing you to like think more, think critically, solve problems. The other is physical. So when I was done playing football, I was kind of lost. Like, yes, I was in the gym, but lifting, and I heard this perspective recently and it just like snapped in my mind. Lifting, you're lifting to, I guess, add size, add weight on the bar. Like you can have those goals and those are fine. But moving to running, you're lifting to see what's physically possible for yourself. And that may be a blanket statement, but it's like running, potentially, there's not really an end until your body breaks down, like you get old or you reach past your prime. So with running, it's like that never-ending pursuit that you can always chase. So for me, that's in the physical side, where like that's my physical pursuit. And I still love lifting. I still do lift. But that's just what I'm chasing now. And then the last side is the spiritual side and how I define it. It can be a number of things. It can be faith. It can be growing your faith with God, growing your faith with what you believe in and having that as kind of your purpose for living. It can also just be a passion project where you wake up like this excites you. You want to do this where the work doesn't feel like work. It's just something that excites you. So for me currently, that is, has largely been like just reading about economics and Bitcoin and like I, I go a whole different topic with that, but it's like just finding work that feels like play and seeing what you can do with that. So in short summary, my why is chasing pursuits. And then when I reach those pursuits, finding a new pursuit to keep the ball rolling and within or where I'm chasing those pursuits are in the three sectors of my life that I think you need to have in order to be fulfilled and not just feel like you're wasting your time on earth. So mental education and spiritual. Oh, so I, I've gone this long without mentioning it, but last year, my big pursuit was writing a newsletter every day. So 365 days. And it was on 365 topics and they were all on self-help, personal development. So kind of doing that challenge and, and finishing it was one of my most proud accomplishments I've ever done. But I think that whole last year was just a constant learning process for how I see the world, the perspectives I have, like how I view learning, how I view hard work, how, so I think I grew so much in the last year that now I have this outlook on life that there's so much in front of me to pursue, to chase after that, that has now become my why. But last year, like I grew so much. I'm, I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. That was awesome. Um, I definitely wasn't expecting that, but, uh, before I continue, Tristan, give the people, where, where can they find these? Can they find these? Can we, see these newsletters anywhere yeah did you so, post them publicly yeah they're all posted on my blog that's on beehive and it's just called tristan's type so maybe we can link it in the podcast notes but my plan for this year is actually to it was a 90-day goal but we're kind of rapidly approaching that so we'll see but is so i wrote them daily but my plan is to self-publish them in a book. So I'll make edits to them. But instead of the book being chronological, I have categorized them into 12 chapters. So the 12 chapters represent 12 months. But each chapter is like what I've deemed a fundamental, fundamental umbrella that mm -hmm. encapsulates, encapsulates like 30-ish topics. And I actually just finished categorizing them like over the weekend and like they're pretty even. So I did a good job in like coming up with the titles and stuff, but yeah. So eventually it will be self-published and then I'll be an author. So I'm that's, excited for that. That's awesome, man. That's, yeah. that's awesome. That's sick. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. That's, I, uh, it, obviously inspiring in a lot of ways. This is what we talk about. This is why we love this stuff, man. Because like, 
without you and Jenna knowing each other, I would have never got a chance to meet you and hear all this stuff. So, um, that sounds awesome. And I, I love your why too. It looks so different for all of us. And that's the cool thing about the guests on our podcast is like, we just get a different perspective. I think people can get a little tired of me and Jenna talking about some of the things we do. And it's so, it's awesome to get a unique perspective in there that changes up the way that we even think too. You know, I'm always looking for something to switch up my perspective and you've definitely given a different perspective and a unique one at that. And um, something for me to take away. And it seems like we're going to have 365 of them to work yeah. through um, that I'll definitely be tapping into um, some of my reading material for sure. But um, I love the why and I love how you broke it up into the the mental, physical and spiritual. I think that's something that every person needs to be pursuing. And I'm sure that there are some people out there who have already kind of deem that necessary for every human to like go through that and like try and tap into each of those sectors because that's really how we I, I feel like how we can function best is through the stimulation of those three different things and pursuing those at least so it's cool that you're able to to categorize them the way that you did and and pursue each of them and i think to a certain extent jonah and i and a lot of our listeners are doing the same thing um, so that, kudos to you for all that, man. That's, that's badass. So Joe and I don't know if you wanted to hop in there and say something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, <clears throat> and this is like, I love, this is why this is like so great because like you said, you, you get to see somebody else's perspective, but it also helps you kind of remember like your own why as well. Um, and you like shine light on it because I was struggling with my why recently, <laughs> Yeah. why am i training for this like what is the the reason that i am constantly busy every day trying to fit in time to train and, and do this and um and not just with training but then like other things too and it's just because it's not about it's never about the actual race itself or the outcome of the race it's about the journey on the way and and how that experience helped kind of like help you progress for in, in yourself. Um, and it's always about the journey. And so by hearing your perspective on it, it kind of helped remind me of like mine as well. So that, that's why this is so great. And one of the reasons that we started having guests on here is to get perspectives like that. Um, so I love that. And you're gonna have to text me the um, like the link or something for that so yeah. that I can post it. Yeah, well, it's Jonah, with what you just said, and I did write about this, so this is where it's coming from. But I think it's actually a paradox about loving the journey or embracing the journey where without the goal, you get lost in the journey. So like the goal is the guiding light, but without the goal, the journey is meaningless. But then obviously reaching the goal makes the journey quote unquote complete. So it's all about finding that next goal to have that next journey but I don't think you can have one without the other. It's just your certain level of appreciation you have for the journey is either enhanced or detracted by the goal that you have in sight. So yeah, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. I love that. <laughs> so many gems in this pod right now. That's a good I'm one. I'm going to be for sure. listening back. Yeah. Well, and I go ahead, Tristan. I was just going to say, I, Jonah, I think, the first time we ran together was the 12 mile run and yeah. for not really knowing Jonah at all, two hours together, just physically pushing your body is a, a long time to get to notice, know someone. And I felt like I got to know Jonah pretty well. And like even hearing past podcasts that you guys have, you guys have done, it's like, I could talk about this stuff all day. Like the ideas we have, I think are very similar and, um, yeah, I, I guess my point was talking with Jonah at first was kind of like, all right, I don't really know this guy at all. But then like the conversation just flowed so effortless, effortlessly because of what we were talking about and like the similarities in how we think and see the world. So it's just really mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, it's funny you say that because whenever I got back and uh, Aubrey was like, oh, like how, how was the run and everything? I was like, it was great. I feel like I know everything about this guy. It's like barely talked to him that much before this. And now it's like, I know this guy's whole background and everything. And then what do we, 
ran together one one more time and i was like all right i gotta we gotta have him on the podcast because he's the same mindset as us like this is the exact type of person that we're trying to have on here so it's yeah it's funny it's always unique too because you always feel like you're the only one going through it and just a reminder too because jonah was like you reminded me that you know why why I'm doing this stuff too. And I, I, I can, I agree with that. That was the same thing that was going through my head when you were talking about your why it reminded me because you lose sight of it. Sometimes you get caught up in the mundane stuff in life and um, you get caught up in routine and habits, especially with all of us, how habit oriented we are probably not trusted. Tristan, I don't know much about you besides today, but I'm assuming you're probably pretty regimented. So I get, I lose sight of that sometimes. And, even recently, I just came off finishing the Donna half marathon and I like, uh, I had some stuff I was fighting last week, um, sickness wise. And I like kind of fell off and I realized that part of me, like if I was training for something, I definitely wouldn't have taken time off last week, which is just another reminder that like, if I didn't have, when you don't have a goal, the journey, I don't know. It just seems kind of, uh, just more of a a hassle than anything, but I took so much joy out of training for the half and you probably did too for training for the full marathon and Jonah, you too, that like when you don't have something to, to train for, or like set a goal to do something, it's like kind of makes everything else more of a hassle than like a, a fun thing to, to take up. So I, I got to figure out something, what my goals are for the next couple months so I can get back into training two days right now because they're hard for me. Your goal is but, to pace me at the Ironman. That's one of your goals. That, yeah, that I can I can hang in there for that, for sure. Yeah, Andrew, it's actually funny because so I'm still not signed up for a marathon and I'm in a 16-week plan right now and I'm in week six. I have an idea, like I am going to do one at the end, but like I started a plan just because I function better in the plan where it's like, all right, today I have this run, like non-negotiable, like you're doing it. And I've also been posting like weekly YouTube videos where like, that's just publicly putting it out there, but it's like, Hey, I'm training. Like I can't just stop in week nine because like, how would that make me look publicly? Now at this point, it's not about the views. Could it eventually be about the views? Could it eventually be about the views? And like, if I become some sort of fitness influencer, sure, that'd be great. But great to the point where that's then what I could do for a living. But at this point now, it's just, it's another level of personable, personable accountability where, okay, people that watch this video, like they're expecting a week seven, they're expecting a week eight. So it's like, I was talking to Jonah before you hopped on us. I've had a tough last probably 10 days of running where it's really just, beating me up mentally and it's just about zooming out and realizing that, Hey, this is a long journey. But at the same time, it's like, I do so much better with this as a part of my life where if I wasn't training for something like what I've ran today, probably not what I ran yesterday, probably not, but it's, yeah, yeah, it's helping you dealing with it. Yeah. Keeping you accountable too, like by doing the YouTube and like even with, just your um strava like whenever it populates the strava you always you know put the picture of the watch like you type a little bit in there like day 20 or whatever you know you're like holding yourself accountable for the people that are following you and that's stuff that we've talked about too is having um people around you to hold you accountable even if it's not like your tight friends or something but most of the time it is like we're in a, t- a text group that is literally called 70.3 accountability because it's like the That's group awesome. of guys and a couple other people that are training either for the Ironman or just in general. And we post, you know, what we did that day and it's just to hold each other accountable. Um, and it works like the guilt is there. Does, if you don't, like if, if I miss a workout or something and I see them posting it, I'm like, man, screw you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know but it's good and it's it's good to have that pressure too like pressure is good and so even just like the youtube like having the pressure to post and stay on track um and the same thing i think about it for the podcast like we talk relentlessly about what we're training for and what the plan is 
And the days where I'm like, I don't want to do this, or I'm halfway through a workout and I want to quit. Like part of me is like, if I don't do this, like it's going to be really embarrassing to have to admit that I gave up when, especially when you have a podcast where you talk about what we talk about. <laughs> so it's good to have that external pressure. Yep. Definitely agree. That was like my 75 hard. Whenever we were talking about doing 75 hard and I was like dreading doing a second workout or I don't know, something simple. I was like, I have way too much on the line right now. Like I could look like uh, a poser if I, uh, if I didn't get this done. So definitely the accountability is there for sure. And for those who don't have any platform at all too, um, you know, it can get tough because that gives you every reason to not want to not have to do something because no one's holding you accountable. So I would always urge, um, and you and I talk about this a lot, Jonah, urge yourself to, or I urge you to get a group of friends, um, that can hold you accountable, whether it's a girlfriend, uh, some buddies from high school or college or something, or even a colleagues at work, find a, a, a group that can hold you accountable to your word. Um, there's plenty of people out there if, if you can't hold yourself accountable. So, but yeah. Um, well, Tristan, I'll open this up to you. Is there anything else that you wanted to to touch on or any future plans besides that you're doing the marathon and you don't have to answer this with anything, but just didn't want to like close this out without giving you an opportunity. If you had something else on your mind. I mean, I could talk about this stuff all day. <laughs> but I know we've already been going for about an hour. So uh, maybe that just means there's got to be a part two. Part three. Who knows? Wow. But, Let's see. but Never I, yeah, as far as future plans for me, like I have the running bug. I need to get back in the gym. Like I talked about where it's just, I think I need to strengthen my legs just so they can at mile 19, mile 20, like I'm not dying. And I'm, grappling back and forth as far as if I want to just push for as fast of a marathon time as I can go or like get into ultras and do like a 50, do a hundred, because I know eventually that's where I want to end up. It's just, if I want to wait a couple of years to see how fast of a marathon I can do, because like, I'd love to qualify for Boston. That's obviously on the moon right now for me, but my goal for this one is three thirty. And Joan, I've talked with you before. It's if I go out and run a 338, 340, like, yeah, on paper, I missed my goal, but that's still like 23 minute PR. So I know the work I would have put in. And then at that point, it's just, okay, it's now early May. That's when my race will be. I have the rest of the year to find another one and keep training. So it's, for me, it's just that level of progression where barring injury, barring intense setback i hope to just continue pushing the needle forward as far as the times i can do in the marathon and then kind of just see where running takes me from there but yeah awesome 100k or 100k 100 miler you got an ultra on the radar man i'll be right there with you and jonah jonah told me right before the podcast started that he would do a 100 mile race with me uh, didn't you, Jonah? Didn't you say that? You want to, oh, you want to do 200. Sorry, I heard him wrong. Yeah, just do, I'll do the whole Moab, Moab whatever yeah, it is. 240. Yeah. Yeah, it's, Tristan, yeah I mean, Tristan told me that too before the pod started. He wanted to do the 240. So yeah, I'm down. Ultras, I'm game. The ultras are definitely on the radar. They're, they're in the notes eventually here. What's interesting, so the marathon is like the – longest distance that is truly about the time where it's it's you versus the time you versus the 26.2 and you do it to beat the time that you want to do it largely there's people that do it just to do it but i'll speak for the people that do it for the time once you move past that even a 50k so that's i think it's 32 ish miles like there's aid stations you're going to be walking like you do it to finish 50 milers 100 milers like you do that to finish, whereas like the marathon's the race. So I think it's just a totally different mental aspect where people that do the ultras, they do it for the feeling at mile 91, where it's like, all right, this is where the race begins. And I'm not going to sit here and say, I know that feeling because I haven't done anything close to that, but I want to know that feeling. So definitely the cards down the line, hopefully, yep. barring my ankle or foot 
whatever. But you got a PT on staff to take care of you, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. But, All right. Well, Drew, do you have anything else? No, that was a great episode. Tristan, we are very grateful to have you on here. So thanks for coming on. I'm glad yeah. you, you and Jonah met. And now I got a chance to meet you too. You got a lot of wisdom there. So who knows? Maybe we got a part two coming. We haven't yeah, even talked is. about that yet, but we might have to start doing some part twos. I wouldn't be opposed to it. That's for sure. Yeah. And uh, maybe next time Andrew's in town, we can plan something, link up for a yeah. run. 100 mile run. Let's do it. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. And uh, this was definitely an awesome episode. So yeah, we'll see if we're going to run it back for a second one here. Who knows? Stay tuned, everybody. Um, I know I can say this. I'm sure Andrew agrees too. And Tristan, you're definitely one of none, man. So yeah, we appreciate it. And uh, catch you guys at the next one. Peace. Yeah, thanks for having me.